It's good to see everybody. Welcome home. Yes, that's the same shirt I was wearing in the video. I know everyone's noticing. I was just trying to create a seamless transition, as you know. Yeah, anyway. Hey, uh, so happy to see you. Before we begin with our message today, uh, I'd like to call up our deacon chair, Doug Rowley, to assist us in something that brings almost the greatest joy to my heart that's possible, and that is a vote to welcome in new members to our church family. And so, Doug, come on up. Welcome, Doug. It's good to see you, sir. You get to take this. Thank you. Ooh, I'm louder than he is, I guess. Uh, at least I have a bigger mouth, I think. Um, I, was, I was getting ready to do this, and I was thinking last night that some of us may feel like we're bench warmers. That when you're not here, there's an empty seat. When you are here, there's a filled seat. And we're not up here. We're not singing. We're not preaching. We're not speaking. We're not up here dancing. But I want you to know in Jesus' eyes, you're all stars. And God brought you here. Jesus brought you here. And you bring love and compassion and you don't know the effect you'll have on the people around you. When we talk about church membership, we're not saying we're gonna let you in. When you are an addition to this church membership, you are a spice that adds to our soup. You strengthen us. You are the flavor, your story, your abilities, your personality, your experience. Thinking about as a parent, as a child, as a husband, as a wife, as a cousin, whatever you are and everything you bring makes you an all-star to this team. Never feel like you're a bench warmer or a seat filler. And I wanna tell you that we have, we have new members that a few years ago came from 6,000 miles away. Talk about being brought here. I mean, we, we, we'll go to a big extent to bring these, these all-stars in, you know, I mean. You gotta do it, that's like, that's, you know, I'm all about sports and we'll do what we take to make our team better. <laughs> so, so I know 6,000 miles seems like a long way away, but it's the same Jesus, isn't it? And, and if you met these people and you're about to, and after service we can go have a cupcake or two with them, you'll see they are magnificent people, lovely souls, and we are so lucky to have them. I'm gonna ask them to stand up as opposed to get up here and be embarrassed or because I'm, I want to bring up, sooner or later I'm going to bring everybody up here and talk about your life because of your all-star status, but not today. Our new members are Jaehyun and So Yoon. Where are you? There they are. We love you. And we are so happy that you wanted to join our church. And I'm glad we could recruit you from Seoul, Korea, <laughs> or from Korea. But um, we're so happy that you're here. As a church membership, what we like to do is we like to vote in new members. And so I'll ask you, I'm proposing that these two people become members of our church body in our starting lineup as all-stars. All in favor, say aye. aye. Ooh, I love that sound. As Pastor said, it's my second favorite day next to maybe baptisms, because that's really unbelievable, isn't it? But I just want to welcome you. And I want to say a short, quick prayer, if you could. Maybe we could raise our hands up and direct them toward them. And let's just pray for a moment. Lord, thank you for bring, bringing Jehun and Soyun to us and, his, and their family, their daughter. And, and we're just so happy to have them here with us. We ask that you strengthen them, that, we, that you free them to share the wonderfulness of their all-star experience of life. And Lord, it's an interesting story. It's an interesting adventure. 
as for all of us have that great all-star experience. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today and thank you for adding to our soup. Thank you for the additional spice. We love it. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Chairman. So grateful for you and all the work that you do here as well. Um, membership truly does matter. Um, I care about the voice of everyone, but I care about the voice of members more because members have decided to put their money where their mouth is, literally, and commit and call a place home and plant roots. And so if you've been hanging out and you like this place, I just encourage you, be a member. The expectation is that, that your voice would be heard. And one of the reasons I care about membership is because I care about what, you're, what you think and what you care about. I care about your heart for this church and I wanna see your heart carried forward in what we do. And so if membership matters to you, check out a Connect card. They're anywhere in, throughout the room, on the pews, the chairs, or whatever. Fill one out, hand it to me. I'd love to talk to you more about it. Two quick things. Uh, man, we are, we are running a little behind, and so I hope everyone packed a lunch. Um, but uh, just a quick thing. Thank you so much for all the kind words for pastor appreciation. I know on behalf of all the pastors, we're so grateful for you. Some of the things that were written in the cards were like, hey, really, you know, thanks for being my pastor. It must be really hard to be a pastor in the season. I, and I'll be, I'll be honest, it is. It is hard, but I need you to know that you make it very easy. You are an incredible church, and I love you. And I'm so grateful that God brought us together for such a time as this. And so, yeah, it's a challenge, but, um, but we're all in it together and I'm so grateful for you. Second thing, um, on your chair, you should have seen a card. Um, it says uh, Christmas Eve and a Christmas Carol. If everyone sees that, make sure you take it home. We've got some amazing plans scheduled for December. Um, we've got an incredible production of A Christmas Carol, a professional production of A Christmas Carol that's going to be put on. And so if you're interested, make sure you grab tickets. You can scan the QR code and it'll take you. Otherwise, you can go to the website and buy tickets. Also, Christmas Eve information on here as well. Make a plan to create a new tradition with your families this year. I think it's easy to say, oh, I'm going to go to mom and dad's or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go and take a break. Make a new tradition this year. Be here for Christmas Eve. You don't want to miss it. All right. Um, as we begin today, you feeling good? What a great opening to the service, right? We are all ready to, hear, to receive from the Lord today. If we could just stand quickly for the scripture. This is from Romans chapter 11, starting at verse 33. Stand if you're able. It'll be on the screen. It says this. Oh, how great are the riches, God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. Let me start that over. I didn't know you were going to say it with me. Let's all say it together. Here we go. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. You may be seated. This past week, we started a new teaching series here about the practice of Jesus, the practice of worship, and we called it altars, about living a life filled with worship. And this word altar, uh, depending on your background, might not be familiar for some. So allow me to just present a quick definition. An altar is essentially a place of worship. 
It's a place that you bring your offering before the Lord. And all throughout the Old Testament, we see this, this example of God's people bringing their offering to God on the altar in the temple or the tabernacle for the forgiveness of sins, to help contribute to the work that God is doing, and even just to say, thank you, God. Thank you for the blessings. And they would bring it, just a small portion, the first fruits of all that they had, they produced their best animals, their best materials and possessions, and they would lay it all down on an altar of stone for God to use and consume. And this is an altar. It is a place of worship, surrender, trust, sacrifice, and offering. And this is the expectation that God had for his people, that they would come to the altar. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. Uh, we see a slightly different picture for God's people, for those now welcomed into God's family, not through the blood of Abraham, but rather by faith through the saving and redemptive blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. We find in 1 Corinthians 3 that some things have changed. Now, instead of the temple being confined by brick and stone, now we see that, that we, the church, we are the temple where God resides. And our hearts are the altars on which offering and sacrifice must be made. Romans chapter 12, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is truly the way to worship God, to lay your entire life, your entire life down on the altar before God as a living, breathing sacrifice. The expectations have changed. Your offering to God is no longer just a goat or some grain or some gold. No, Paul says your offering is everything. It's everything in you, everything that is you, Paul says, must be consecrated as a living and holy sacrifice. And, and somebody real quick, I, I need a little help today. When you hear the word everything, what is included in everything? Everything, right? Say it again, what's included in everything? Everything, your identity is included in everything. Your politics, your favorites, your hopes and dreams, your fears and failures, your past, your present, your future. God wants everything that is you bowed low before him, but not to cast aside, not to judge, not to be burned or consumed. No, God wants every part of you bowed low so he can lift it up in honor. God wants everything in you bowed low so he can lift you up and use your life for his glory. And this is what we talked about last week when we talked about our first altar of the heart, and that is work. That God wants you to worship him through your work, through whatever you do, to commit to him so the world might come to know you through what you do through your actions, what you do, but also your intentions. Not just the what, it's the why. And this was week one, if you missed it, I encourage you, go back and listen. It was tough and awesome and so challenging, but today we have to move on, and I have to move on quickly, um, to our second altar of the heart. The second key area from which I believe God wants to receive our praise, to receive our worship, and that is the altar of our possessions. Of our possessions, ah yes. 
Today we are talking about our stuff and how if everything really means everything, then we must also be willing to surrender everything we have to him and worship for him to use for his glory. Our possessions, the altar of our possessions. And we're, and we're parking here today talking about our stuff, not because God needs what we have. God doesn't need our stuff, and it's not out of some misguided idea that the more we give, the more God loves us, or the better ticket train ride to heaven we'll have after we die. That's, that's not it at all. We're talking about our possessions because of how, how what we own, our stuff, just like our work, how what we own can so easily move off the altar of praise to God and become an idol that we worship instead. An idol that we worship instead. When these created things begin to overtake the creator in the hearts and minds of his people. And so again, if we're to be faithful in our worship to God, which is I know what you, it's what you want. That's why we're here on a Sunday morning instead of delicious bread uh, for brunch down in, uh, where did we go yesterday, Rebecca? Clark Street Bakery in Echo Park. Oh my goodness. You're here at church instead of getting brunch at Clark Street right now, okay? And I better get some credit from them. I got to get a free loaf of bread in the mail after that plug. But um, you're here, and, I, and you're here because I know that you want a greater life of faith and obedience to God. And so if that is the case, we must begin to see our possessions for what they are and what they aren't and where they belong and where they don't. As an offering on the altar to God. But, okay, before you start to assume everything today is about money or tithing or selling everything and moving to the desert to be a monk, Manny, I know you're tempted. <laughs> I know you are. I need you to know that God does want you to have things. God wants you to have things. We heard in our opening scripture a moment ago, Romans 11, that everything we have comes from God and exists by his power. So God wants you to have things. God wants you to own stuff. Praise the Lord. There is no biblical mandate to be poor or there's no prescriptive limits on quality or quantity for what we have. God wants you to have stuff. The problem that we're talking about today, the problem isn't us having stuff. It's when your stuff owns you. It's not owning stuff. It's when your stuff owns you. It's when you become a possession of your possessions. But okay, why does this matter? It's because if you're a Christian, then you already have an owner. You already have an owner. First Peter 2, it'll be on the screen. It says this, that you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. If you're a Christian, then God owns you. And I know that that makes, might make some of us squirm a little bit as 21st century Americans living in the wealthiest time of human history with all of our modern understandings of independence and bodily autonomy, but this is reality for God's people. This is the reality presented in the scriptures. If you are a Christian, then your life is not your own. You have been bought at an astronomical price. The blood of Jesus paid for your adoption. 
into God's forever family, now called his church. And that means this life is not your own. You belong to God. You belong to God. And I get how that might, might make some of you feel a bit claustrophobic. The walls are coming in around you, but here's some good news. If you belong to God, then you always have a place to belong. If you belong to God, if you belong to God, that also means you will always belong with God. You will always belong. You are no longer wandering exiles or strangers. This kingdom of faith is your home country. The door is always open and the table always set. You have meaning. You have purpose. You have identity. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. The past is just prologue and the future secured because you have been hand-selected, chosen by God to be defined by his grace and his love as carriers of his goodness and his gospel so all the world might come to know what he is like. This is who you are now. You are one of God's people. You belong. You are God's possession. He is your good father and Lord of your life. This is your, this is your reality, your new normal. Amen. Hallelujah. This is some good news. Come on, Fran. Come on. But this good news, friends, also means that you can have no other masters competing for your attention. You belong to God, and that means you always belong, but that means you can't belong to anyone else. And this is why Jesus constantly talks about possession and possessions. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So stop throwing up treasures on earth. Matthew 6, because, verse 24, it's on the screen, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot serve God and be possessed by your possessions. And this is it, and really what I hope you'll take away today, is that God doesn't want to take all your stuff. God just wants all of you available to him. God doesn't want to take all your stuff. He just wants all of you available, and you can't worship God with everything when you're already possessed by your possessions. No one can serve two masters. Something's got to give. Which is, again, why I want to focus our time today on this altar of the heart, because like it or not, we also, have a, we also often have a hard time being torn between masters. We're also often distracted and surrendered to created things instead of our creator God. And in the process, in the process, as, as terrible, like I think our assumption is, oh, in the process, like God, God hates all that. But the, but the reality is in the process, when we do this, we actually just miss out on so much of what God might do. It's not just the negatives. Like we're actually missing out on what God might do in our lives because we settle for lesser things. And this really is the issue with living possessed by possessions. We settle. We settle for a life of less. We settle for a life of less of what's available and less of what could be as God's people. We settle for a life of scavenging. 
instead of accepting the life our good Father in heaven, who also happens to be the creator and sustainer of all things. We settle for scavenging instead of accepting the life that God literally died to give us. We settle. But why? Why are we so captured by our stuff? Why are we so entranced by this survivalist vision for our lives? Well, I really see it as kind of two sides of the same coin, a bit of a chicken and the egg scenario here. I think it starts first because we, we lack the faith to believe that the God who is real and loves us and always leads to peace, that God really wants to give us what we need. We lack the faith to believe that God will lead us to our greatest possible end. We lack faith. And because we lack faith, number two, we never fully commit. We never actually lay everything down and surrender. We keep, we keep some things kind of stored off to the side just in case this God thing is too good to be true. We keep a backup plan or a safety net in place just in case his grace wasn't sufficient for our sin or his love couldn't quite cover all the garbage we've done. We might surrender most and I think we do. We might surrender most, but we often hold back that one thing, and you know that one thing. It's different for all of us. But we also often hold back that one thing, which then perpetuates the lack of faith that God will provide, which then perpetuates holding back more, which then leads to holding back more, which then leads, back, uh, leads to less faith, which then leads to holding back more. You tracking with me? When we don't surrender everything, it keeps us tethered to a former master. When we don't surrender everything, it keeps us tethered to a former master possessed by our possessions. It reminds me of a story in Acts chapter 5. It's totally wild. It's a story about Ananias and Sapphira. And if anyone's ever read the Bible, um, man, Whoever said it was boring has obviously never read it because this story is totally crazy nuts. I love it. So Ananias and Sapphira, they were a part of the early church. They were church people. They were convinced of the greater vision and the good news of Jesus. And now they were connected to this new community of faith in Jerusalem called the church in the first century. Now, as the story goes, Ananias, Ananias he, he sold some property. Um, he owned this property, he sold it, and he brought a portion of the money before the church to help support what God was doing there. Awesome. Praise the Lord, right? How cool is that? But, but he claimed it was all the money. He brought a portion, but he claimed it was all. And so he told the apostles that it was everything, but he really kept some on the side. Now, it's important for you to remember that, that he wasn't required to sell anything. He wasn't required to give all the money, just that everything in him would be available for God to use. But instead of giving everything, he lied about it. He was possessed by his possessions, and what happened? Check this out. It's on the screen. It says, then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself. Verse 4, I love this. The property was yours to sell or not sell, as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Verse 5, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. What? 
you believe this story? What? Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Makes sense. Verse 6, then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out back and buried him. What? This is Acts chapter 5. Can you imagine? About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? She said, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, check this out, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, I imagine them walking in like, not again, right? <laughs> when they came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. And I'm not trying to make light of people that die in church, okay? That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm also not saying that, that lying about money or being sneaky about your stuff is going to kill you. Ain't no one waiting out back with sheets and shovels, okay? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> All I'm saying is that walking this line with divided loyalties is not a life of worship. Walking this line with divided loyalties is certainly not the best God has for you. You will not find the peace and provision you seek in your stuff. It is only in the offering of everything you have that you'll ever find what you truly long for. When you finally trust God for everything you need, this is truly the way to worship him, Romans 12. And I know that we can all agree with this. I know we can all agree with Fran, right? She's got her amens. I love it. Amen. Here we go. We can all agree this is true, that God isn't some bully at school stealing lunch money, right? That, that he's really just given us abundantly more than we deserve and he's just getting started. Yes and amen. Hallelujah. So we agree that this is the case. So how can we begin to make this shift in surrender away from the created things and back to the creator? How can we begin to lay all we have, our possessions that once possessed us, how can we begin to lay it all down before God as an act of worship? Well, if we want to answer these questions and if we want to make this change, I think it really all comes down to these two questions. It'll be on the screen. What do I have? And what can God do with it? If we want to begin to see a life of worship through sacrifice and offering our, our possessions down before him, we need to answer these two questions. What do I have? And what can God do with it? Back to Romans 11 for a second. Verse 33, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to undertake, understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs, uh, who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? And this is it right here. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Starting with what do I have? So what do you have? Think about that for a second. What do you have? Because we all have a lot of stuff. 
We all have a lot of stuff. We have far more than we need. And honestly, we all have probably more stuff that we've forgotten about than we actually know about, right? We got stuff sitting in boxes. We got stuff sitting in our closets and drawers and our garage. Stuff we spend our lives acquiring, stuff we store for later, stuff we use for today, stuff we hang on to and stuff we throw away, stuff we're known by, stuff we're proud of, we love and we cherish. We have so much stuff. Now, if you can, just do a quick audit of what you own. Think about it. Your cars, your shoes, your dishes, your appliances, your house. That big old TV, your money, your gold, your goats and grain, whatever it might be. What do you have? What has God given you? Verse 36, for everything comes from him and exists by his power. So what has God given you? Think about that. And that's the first thing we need to answer. If we want to worship God with all we have, it starts by acknowledging our possessions. So what do you have? Second question is what, with what you have, what do you believe God can do with it? What can God do with what you have? Not what will he do, but what can God do? Verse 36, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. So how might God reveal his glory through your things? How might God make himself known through your stuff? How might God's name be revealed to the world through the possessions you lay down on the altar before him? That's the question. That is the question we need to answer. It reminds me of another story briefly. I know we're out of time. But it reminds me of the story we see in the Gospel of John, one of my favorites, just after the Sermon on the Mount. There are all these folks, it says a great crowd, that were following Jesus around, having just sat through this epic Sermon on the Mount, and now it was time for dinner. So Jesus, he tells his disciples, let's get some food. And the disciples were like, ah, Jesus, it'll take more than a year, like a half year's wage to be able to, to give everyone just a bite to eat. I don't, I don't see how this is going to work. We should just send them home to cook in their own kitchen. But then in verse 8 of John 6, it says, it says another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up. He said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was, a plen there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men plus families were there. That's a lot of people. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they, had all they had, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now, let's take a look at this moment through the matrix of our questions uh, for how we might worship God through our possessions. First, the question is, what did they have? Almost nothing, right? Almost nothing. They didn't have money. They didn't have a hookup at a local restaurant. They didn't have Sue's Garden to help distribute food to meet the needs of the community. No, they had a kid. And the kid had a lunch. The kid had a lunch. That was it. Two small fish, five loaves of bread, and that was it. Now, question number two. What can God do with it? 
What did God do with it? He multiplied the meal. God multiplied the meal. He took what was offered to him as the creator of the universe and the sustainer of everything we see. He took what was offered and provided what they needed. He took what was offered and provided what they needed and more through one boy's possessions. Are you hearing me? What did they have? Lunch. What did God do with it? Fed more than 5,000 people. This is what's possible for those who belong to God. Now bring it all back around. What do you have? What do you have? We have so much stuff we don't even remember what we own. We have so much stuff that we have stuff to organize and, and manage the stuff we have. Now what do you believe God can do with it? If God can feed the masses with a kid's lunch, just imagine what he could do with what's in your closet. Just imagine what God could do with what he's given you that you then choose to make available to him for his glory. This, friends, this is how we take the power back from our possessions as we put them all back in their proper place on the altar before the Lord. This is the practice of worship. It's not a discipline. It's a change of perspective. It's beginning to see your stuff for what it is. It's an offering. It's a created thing that comes from him, that exists because of him, and is intended to reveal him out into the world. And this is how we worship God with what we have. And again, this isn't some monastic mandate that we have to give away everything we own, though for some that might be the right idea. This practice is not one size fits all. It's simply you beginning to see everything you have as a tool, as a resource and opportunity to show the world who God is for his glory and their good. You got a sweet car? Awesome. Use it as an opportunity to reveal what God is like to the world. What does that mean? Maybe it means going to a car show and loving the people there. Maybe it means giving it away. I don't know. I actually know someone who is so great at worshiping God with their possessions that it came so natural to them that one day they saw a friend whose family was growing who needed a new car. And so what did they do? They said, what do I have? I got this minivan we hardly use. The kids are grown. Then they said, what can God do with it? Bless this family, this growing family with a safe, reliable car. They had a car. They gave it away for his glory. Maybe that's what you need to do too. I don't know. Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe it's an extra room in your house. Maybe you got boxes of old baby clothes. Maybe you've got a bunch of old instruments in your garage and you want to invest in the next generation of worship teams. Maybe you jar your own jam and you want to bless the teachers across the street at Crescenta Valley High School in Jesus' name. Maybe you're really smart with money. Maybe you're lucky. Maybe you got a mattress full of $100 bills in your guest room. I got no idea. And you want to bless the church. Praise the Lord. I don't know what you have, but you do. Now just think, what could God do with what you have to offer? And I just want to remind you real quick as we close, like when Jesus multiplied the meal, when he fed the 5,000 with one boy's lunch, I want to remind you that the boy still ate. The boy still ate and there were leftovers. This is how God works. His economy is not one plus one. It's one times the infinite. 
When we offer what God has given us back to him, when we lay our lives and everything we have down before him, that is not settling for a life of less. It's finally accepting the life of abundance you were saved to receive. God wants to give you what you need. God wants to give you so much more than you know because it's with what you have offered back that he uses for his glory. It's what you have offered back that God uses to reveal himself to the world. So let us live. Let us live with open hands, ready to receive all that God wants to give. I've known so many people who live like this, unable to catch what God has for them next because they're so focused at preserving, scavenging what they've already found. God wants to give you more, so let us be a church with open hands, ready to receive all that God wants to give. Let us live with open eyes to see all that we receive as a gift from God and as an opportunity to reveal our God to the world. And finally, let us live with open hearts. With everything we have now made available for God to use for his glory, this is truly, Romans 12, this is truly the way to worship him. The way of Jesus. Let us follow him. Amen. Amen. All right, as we close today, band is going to come up and lead us in just a closing section of a song. And as we close, I just want to pray that God would open your eyes to all you've been given. What do you have? What can God do with it? I want to pray that God will open your eyes to all you've been given, all you've acquired, all the stuff you hold on to, sometimes a bit too tight. I want to pray that you'd begin to see that what you have and then choose to say, God, all I have is yours. Use it for your glory. All I have is yours. Use it for your glory. My gold, my grain, my goat, the fruit of my life. God, it's yours. I lay it on the altar before you. Use it to make yourself known to the world. It is my prayer that you would say, I am offering everything. I am yours. So all that's mine is now available. Use it for your glory. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for today. I wish we had three more hours to talk about this. Jesus, I'm so grateful for today. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we believe that you're real, that you're good, you love us, and you lead to peace. And God, I am just so grateful for this church. I'm so grateful that, that, that this church wants to be a church known for worship. And not just the worship of singing songs to you, but God, a worship-filled a worship lifestyle where we lay our work and our possessions down before you. And we just say, God, everything is yours anyway. I am yours. Take it, use it. Take my life and let it be consecrated for you. So God, in this moment, I ask that you would open our eyes to all that you've given us. God, that you'd open our hands to receive what's next. That you'd open our hearts to be willing to give back to you what's already yours so we might see you known in the process. God, it's hard. It's hard to be willing to give away our stuff. 
God, there's something deep in all of us that still says, I, I just don't know. I just, I just don't know. But God, I ask that you would give us the faith today to lay everything down before you. God, that we would make everything available to you for your glory and the good of others. God, open our eyes to all we've received. Open our hands to receive and our hearts to give, God. Let us be a people of worship, a people that lay our possessions on the altar of the heart. And it's in your name, the name of Jesus, that we all pray. And we all said, amen. Why don't we stand as we sing this closing section?